0: This is a message I was reading through, um, I was reading through Psalm 57, and there's this great caption at the top of Psalm 57 in the New Living Translation, I think it's there in most translations, but it said that David wrote this Psalm uh, as he was on the run hiding in a cave from King Saul and his army. So you know the story, probably most of you, David, the boy who was anointed to be king, the boy who defeated Goliath, the boy who I love defeated Goliath. And then went back to just be his the shepherd of his father's flock, right? After the the city, the country was chanting, David has slain his Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. He goes back to the field where there was no notoriety. I promise you, those sheep didn't care who David was. They just wanted to be fed and led the right way. And that was what we see uh, the first time, maybe, or one of the first glimpses we get into what the Bible calls the man after God's own heart. So he's been anointed king. He's got notoriety, yet he still has a servant's heart. He, he possibly, at this point, could have just lifted up his sword and told his own mighty men, let's go take the kingdom. It's time for me to take my throne. But he was completely bent on waiting on the Lord's time. And honestly, we all should be. I don't want any type of success outside of the Lord's timing, right? The Bible says he will raise us up when it's the right time. I have to keep that in mind constantly. I remind my kids of that constantly. Uh, I remind my wife and I remind each other of that constantly. It is the Lord's to raise us up in the right time. And that's what David was waiting on. He was on the run because King Saul was hunting him down. He wanted him gone. He wanted him dead. David's hiding in a cave and then he sits down and either he penned Psalm 57 in the cave or he wrote it thinking about it, contemplating about it after. Either way, in Psalm 57 as we get a glimpse into David's heart, he gives us five steps. Really, we can see him do five different things within this passage that leads him to breakthrough. And I'll even show you at the end of this on how we know he experienced breakthrough. Because you know, as believers, breakthrough does not happen when we see it in the natural, right? We walk by faith, which is not natural, and not by sight, which is natural. So our breakthrough happens long before we see it in the natural. You know, I was reading about bamboo. I might get a few of these numbers a little bit wrong. I'm I'm not, not on purpose. I just don't remember. But, you know, bamboo grows underground, and you don't see a thing. For something like, I think it's, maybe, I can't remember if it's three or nine years. It's one of those two. And I know three is way shorter than nine, but three is still a long time. To be underground, not seeing anything above the surface. But then once the bamboo breaks the surface of the ground, it grows something like 90 feet in a matter of two or three weeks. You can sit there almost and look at it grow. And so many times that's what our life is like as believers. There's stuff happening under the surface. The word is at work under the surface and breakthrough comes long before we see it in the natural. And that's what David experienced in that cave. And that's what he experiences as he's writing Psalm 57. He was in a season... If you want to look at it this way, some of us will be able to relate. A between-the-promise season. Have you been in a between-the-promise season? You could even call it a barren season if you would like, right? It doesn't. In David's case, it doesn't mean there was no fruit. There was fruit. He already has seen the giant fall down. He'd already walked over and and cut his head off with his own sword. He had defeated lions and bears. He probably at certain points in his life saw where he was at and, and maybe could say, wow, I can totally see how the Lord is mapping out my path to this throne. He was anointed king at like 12 years old. In this particular moment, though, I got a feeling he wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, this path is so easy. God, thank you. You've mapped this out. Step one, two, three, four, five. No, he was hiding in a cave because the king wanted him dead. This was an in between the promise season. This was a barren place. This was a time, a moment at the end of the sentence where it has just the three dots, dot, dot, dot. You're like, what is happening? This was that place. And here's what he says, Psalm 57, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy. Let's stop there. He recognizes that he has a need. I'm not going to get out of this situation if you don't meet my need. I can't do it alone. This is a powerful truth because you cannot overcome something you do not confront. David knew this firsthand. Notice he didn't hide behind a rock or an army and simply declare Goliath defeated. Sometimes as believers, we just want to do it. We just want to say it. Well, I said it. I spoke it out. I declared it with my words. David didn't just have to declare it with his words. He had to reach down into his pocket. He had to pull out some rocks. He had to put them in a sling. He had to look ridiculous for those two or three minutes when he was in front of a giant with a sling. And then once he hit the giant, the job wasn't done. That's where the kid's version ends, right? Then he had to walk up to the fallen giant because David didn't have a sword on him. He had to pull the sword out of from wherever it was. Maybe it was gripped by his hand. Maybe it was still in its sheath, but he had to pull out the sword and he had to cut the giant's head off in front of and surrounded by an army. He had to confront something to overcome it. And as believers, there is nothing we should be afraid to confront. should it be a sickness in our body. We're afraid to confront and then declare the name above all names over that sickness That's why I'm not against going to a doctor as a man of faith. Tell me the word. Tell me what it is. It doesn't matter what you say. I got authority over it. Like Pastor Dean said, I'm going to confront this and I'm going to overcome it because we are more than conquerors through Jesus. Step one, David's five steps to break through. Confront it. Confront the need. Have mercy on me. Oh God, I need your mercy. I can't do this alone. And then he says this, I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. This is actually a a bit of step two and step three. And it goes back to a very powerful tool the Lord gave us, our imagination. Ephesians 1.8 says, let your imagination, the eyes of your understanding, it's the word dianoia in the Greek, and it's the same word for your mind. Let your imagination be filled up with the hope of your calling. Right? And, and and as it is hope will rise was your hope rises your faith will follow that hope and direct you and and you will your faith will be led by that hope that rises up as your imagination gets filled with your callings that's what david does right here I look to you for protection I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings how does he know god has wings he doesn't he had never seen God he's using his imagination he's picturing the lord as 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 maybe an eagle with her 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 uh, children, her, her babies under her wing. Uh, uh, David wrote at one point, hide under the shadow of his wing. I said, Jesus said, I would like to take you under my wing like a mother hen does. I heard this story that there was this art, this college did this, um, this art contest, and it was the challenge for the artist was paint uh, peace. And then they were going, that was all, that was a very broad thing, paint peace. And then we will judge who the winner is, what the best portrait of peace is. And, most of the pictures looked like still waters or a mountain range or, or a baby nursing or things like this for peace. But then the one that won at first glance was just horrible. It looked like it was the side of a mountain. There was a storm going. There was a fire in the distance. There was lightning that had caused the fire. There was chaos everywhere. But down in the corner of the mountain, you could see a nest and an eagle and three, three little baby eagles underneath the wing. Of the mother completely not even knowing that there was a storm all around him and that's the one that won that's the painting that portrayed peace the best david is using his imagination here he's fixing his thoughts on god he says i look to you for protection because i can't do it this cave isn't my protection he's fixing his thoughts on the lord and then he's using his imagination and i will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes so step two and three Telling you, we're doing good. We're already on step three. Step two, fix your thoughts. Step three, use your imagination to see the promise. Use your imagination to picture how the Lord has taken you from one place to another. Here we go back to our text. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. Already, After David begins to fix his thoughts and use his imagination, you can hear a change in his tone. We just went from, I look to you for protection. I'm going to have to hide beneath the shadow of your wings until this danger passes by. He uses imagination, and then I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. All of a sudden, he's seeing himself outside of the cave. He's seeing himself past the current danger and he's seeing there is life past this waiting season. There is a promise that I am going to. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. And now another picture, another time he's using his imagination. Help and rescue is coming from heaven. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. I am surrounded By fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, and whose tongues cut like swords. This is my favorite part, because it kind of seems on the surface like David is going back to the fear. Like he's going back to like, okay, God, you're going to protect me. I can see people coming from heaven to help. I I can picture you hiding me in the shadow of your wings. But there's still these fierce lions outside they're ready to devour me they 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 cut through human flesh with their teeth it seems like he's getting afraid but let's think about david what is david's interaction with lions been like in the past what happened when lions came after david's flock when he was nothing but a shepherd well at one point when he's standing in front of goliath and king saul says put on my armor you got to look like me to be successful. you got to act like me to be successful. you got to look like me. And, ta- and David said, no, no, no. i got to be who I'm supposed to be. And then he actually said, he said, uh, I wrote it down because I wanted to say it word for word. He said, I have faced lions and bears. And if a lion had grabbed a lamb from my flock, I'd grab it by the jaw and kill it with the club and rescue the lamb. So get a picture of this. A lion enters the flock and grabs with its mouth one of David's sheep. David runs up to it with a club in his hand, grabs the lion by the jaw, beats it until he unlocks the jaw. The lamb is rescued, and David is standing over a defeated lion. That is David's history with lions. So I find it hard to believe when he pictures King Saul and all of King Saul's army as a bunch of fierce lions, that's David shaking in his boots. That's David rehearsing the victories he's seen in his life. He's saying, these guys are like lions. They're ready to attack me. Woo, remember the last time a lion tried to attack me? I just ripped its jaw off and beat it with the club. That's pretty good. How many times do we rehearse the fear over and over again and just forget about the promise? If I know way more about your fears than I do about the victories you've experienced, so something is off. Something is off because why? We overcome by the word of our fears. Thank you. I'm glad you said no. We overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Take the old memories off the shelf, like Bob Seger's, dust them off, and start rehearsing the victories. Man, our church, uh, I hope they're still doing it. I'm, I'm doing it. I'll read through the Bible this year. I know a lot of people are. Man, as you read through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, man, there is so much rehearsing the victories that they have seen. It's like I've read this eight times already that God brought them out of Egypt, that he destroyed Pharaoh, that he saved the firstborn when the blood of the lamb was painted over their doorpost and he passed over, the angel of death passed over. I've read so much that they crossed the Red Sea, that they defeated every army that stood in front of them. Because as we rehearse the victories, our faith rises, our hope builds And we keep moving forward. That's what David's doing. I'm surrounded by fierce lions. They greedily devour human prey. Their teeth pierce like spears and arrows. Their tongues cut like swords, a.k.a. I've been here before, and the same God that got me through that is going to get me through this. He won't fail. Why would he fail now? He won't. That's what we sang earlier. Man, rehearse those victories stop talking about the fear so much. When I was a kid, uh, I just spoke to one of the kids in our church this week and I gave him a prescription. Prescription for fear comes from Philippians 4, verse 8. It says, don't worry about it. Pray about it, step one. Tell God what you need, step two. uh, Thank him for what he's done, step three. And then his peace will flood your heart and mind. I wrote it down on a sheet of paper. He hung it above his bed and I've already heard some great testimony that he's had a great week with no fear as he was going to bed. When I was a kid, I saw some stupid episode of ER, some kid died, he was eight years old, I was eight years old, I went to sleep the next three or four years, terrified every night, that the same thing that happened to that fictional kid was going to happen to me, and I would wake up dead, and it was terrifying, and my mom would sit beside my bed every night, and I would rehearse this fear over and over with her. Mom, what if this happens to me? Well, uh, it won't. We, we believe that the Lord protects us. Okay, well, what if it happens to you? Well, here's my, what if it happens to dad? What if it happened? What if, what if, what if? Finally, one day my mama looked at me and said, I can't help you. You gotta get a word from God. He's the only person that can help you get through this. That night, man, the Lord just spoke to me. He gave me this vision. It wasn't even anything spectacular. It was just a vision. It was of a friend's backyard. Uh, They had a horse, and I was just standing beside that horse, and it was a foggy morning. It was that simple. But let me tell you, when he showed me that, it was like all that fear went away. I don't even know why it happened like that or why the Lord showed me that picture, but that's what happened, and the fear went away. The next night, as I laid down and those fears came back, I pictured that scene, and the fear went away. I did that every night for months, and eventually, I stopped being afraid And I think it's because I stopped rehearsing the fear and I started rehearsing what the Lord said. And in this case, it was a very simple picture. But let me tell you, you got picture after picture right here in the word of what he says and you gotta keep rehearsing it. You gotta keep rehearsing it. So David has given us some steps right now to get to breakthrough. Already, step one was confront the need, right? Step two is is uh, fix your thoughts, step three, use your imagination. And here we're going to move up to step four, back to our text. After he talks about these lions, he says, Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. What is he doing? He's just been moved to worship. That's what it is. It's not so much, I'm going to do step four about the take step four no it's just once you fix your thoughts on God once you begin to use your imagination your heart will be moved to worship to praise here's a secret give into it stop what you're doing no matter what it is and just lift up a voice of thankfulness lift up your hands in worship and let your heart be moved to praise and to worship that's what he does. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. He's moved to worship. It's the testimony that moved him to worship. I have, one of my favorite stories, I didn't tell them that I was going to share this tonight, Will and Brittany, but I, I share this story a lot, so I don't think they'll mind. But before they got married, they were believing the Lord for a house. They wanted to move into a house of their own. That was a big part of, of, their, uh, of what they were believing And they had a word from the Lord. He said to Brittany, I'm going to give you a house. They looked at houses. They were patient. They had not found the right one. And so, as an act of faith, we were looking at the calendar. And they said, Our wedding is going to be on this day. We'll give a testimony one week before our wedding about how God gave us a house. We're like six months out, but we put this testimony on the schedule. Well, one week before the wedding, there was no house. And they said, Hey, what are we going to do? We have a testimony. We don't have to do that today. And I've never thought this or said it before, but I said, why would, you, why would you postpone your testimony just because you haven't seen it yet? Like, you don't postpone the testimony because you haven't seen the promise. Like, what are we going to say? I said, I don't know. That's on y'all. I'm going to hand you a mic after worship, and you're going to give your testimony. Well, because they were given their testimony that day, uh, Brittany's mother, and her who would become her stepfather just a few months after their own wedding, was also here that day. And uh, he's a great man. He's, he's an awesome, awesome guy. Brittany's parents are, are amazing. And they stood up in front of the church, and they said, we're getting married in a week. We have been so blessed. Here's so many different ways God has blessed us. And also, he told us he's going to give us a house. And we don't have it yet, but we have a week left, and we know he's going to. It was something like that. And then they sat down. And everybody praised. Everybody worked. It was great. After service at lunch, her future, her future stepdad said to her, I had no idea that y'all wanted to move into your own place, something like this. I thought you were content moving into your mom's basement. And then the look of terror that came across their face. Yeah, that's our option. And he says, well, I just didn't know you can have my house. I'm just going to let y'all move into it. Uh, You can just live in it debt-free and take this out. So we spent time over the next week moving his stuff out and their stuff in. I mean, that happened because they gave their testimony. He heard them, and he said, oh, man, I've been moved. to." Be. But listen, it doesn't matter if somebody hears you or not. Give your testimony. Be moved to praise and worship because you don't wait for the natural breakthrough before you celebrate the breakthrough. We've seen victory after victory doing that. Back to our text. We've gone through the first four things. It is, if you're keeping up those four things to break through, confront the need, fix your thoughts on God, use your imagination to see it, and then you will be moved to worship. Step five here, back to our text. It is one of my favorite parts. My enemies have set a trap for me. I'm weary from distress. They've dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. You know what that's called? That's called prophesying. That's called declaring the word. That is called prophesying. And you can do it. And I can do it. And you don't have to be some super Christian to pick up the word and prophesy what the word declares over your life. That's what he's doing here. We can do it right now. If you deal with fear, fear is going to fall off to the wayside because you don't have a spirit of fear. You have a spirit of power, love, love. And a sound mind. If you're dealing with sickness, you have been healed by the stripes of Jesus. That is prophesying the word. 1 Peter 2.24, Isaiah 53.5. He was wounded for your transgressions, pierced for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was upon him. And by his wounds, you are healed. If you're dealing with depression, it has to go because you are a Christian. You're a believer. And one third of the kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Ghost. And it's on the inside of you. You just got to access it. So that's what we're prophesying right now is that depression has no place in your life. Anxiety has to leave because peace is what is found in the presence of God. And it's a fruit of the spirit that dwells on the inside of you. Addiction has to fall off because you have self-control as a believer. Poverty has, is broken in your life. Poverty is broken because Jesus was made poor so that we could be rich. Poverty is broken in your life because he's given you the power to get wealth so that you may establish his covenant upon the earth. Yes. Yes. I heard someone say this recently, you guys stop praying and asking the word for money. He never says he'll give you money. Not one time in the Bible does he say, I will give you money. I mean, are you expecting just to like go out, open your mailbox and find an envelope of cash? That might have happened to you before, but stop praying for money. You have been given the power to get wealth. Go put your hand to something and get the wealth. You know when they got handouts was when they were in the desert. The wilderness is a place of handouts. The wilderness, you wake up and you find manna on the ground. The wilderness, the army's coming and and the Lord sends an angel and wipes it out. The wilderness, there's no water. It has to come from a rock. But when you enter the promised land, you got to go plow a field. You got to put seed in it. And the promise in the promised land is that when you put your hand to something, you will see it prosper. Back to our text. My heart is confident in you, oh God. Here we get a whole big old tone change. He's gone through the five steps and he's not talking about anything anymore coming against him. He's not talking about traps. He's only saying now, my heart is confident in you, oh God. That's breakthrough. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up my heart. Wake up, O Lear and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. This is called a result. Five steps to breakthrough And here's your result. Your result is confidence. It's breakthrough. It it is seeing the actual breakthrough in the natural, but after you see it in the supernatural. For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. I skipped one line, so we're going to backtrack. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. Don't forget, he's in a cave. So here's what's happened. He can now fully see himself outside of this cave, outside of this waiting season, outside of this between-the-promise season, living out the promise. I will be among the people again. My story doesn't end in this cave. My life doesn't end in this cave. It doesn't end when I step out of this cave. I will be among the people again, praising you. That's a good result. Because it's hard sometimes to see yourself outside of the waiting season. It's hard to picture yourself outside of that in-between-the-promise season, living the promise. But you know what? Here's the secret. Once you get to that promise, you're gonna be filled with so much more vision. As soon as you get there, you're gonna be back on the journey in between that promise and the next promise. We just need to learn to enjoy the journey and to experience the presence of God in the middle and not think we just gotta wait till we see the promise. If we just waited, we wouldn't have Psalm 57. If we just waited, we wouldn't have Psalm 23. If we just waited, we wouldn't hardly have any of the Bible. Not Philippians, Paul was in a prison. We wouldn't have hardly any of the Gospels because they were being persecuted so bad when they wrote down the Gospels, they could have been killed for sharing that story. If we only waited to see the promise, we'd be living pretty miserable lives. But we don't have to. And David chose us five steps right here to experience breakthrough in the waiting season. Do you know the word wait? Uh, It means in, in the original language from Isaiah in Hebrew. It means to wrap around or to entwine. A waiting season is not a sit around and doing nothing season. A waiting season is a time for you to wrap your heart around the heart of the Lord, to entwine your thoughts to the word of God. And as you do that, as you do that, that's what we're doing right now. We're entwining our thoughts to the thoughts of the Lord. We're, 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 We're thinking about David right now and how he experienced breakthrough. This is what we do in the waiting season. And David shows us how to enjoy every moment of it and how to see victory even in the waiting. We see him writing from, I have a great need and I can't get out of this without your mercy. Here's what's going on, Lord, right? And, and then, but here's what, I'm, I'm going to fix my thoughts on you because you're going to get me out of this. And now I see you as, as, a, as a mother hen putting her wings over her chicks and protecting them. And then I move to worship. And then I'm going to declare and prophesy what your word says. And then, oh, I know I'm getting out of this. I'm going to be singing your praises among the people. I can't wait to get to my harp. I can't wait to get to my lyre and write this thing down and sing this song to you and lead all my brothers and my sisters in this praise of rejoicing. It's a good, good word. I know there's a lot of us in these in between seasons, in these in the middle seasons, and that's all right. That's all right. We have uh, a path we can take to breakthrough. And if you're thinking, I wish I would have wrote those down, go back and watch it. We live streamed it, and we'll put the podcast out there as well. So you can get back there and listen and, and write these things down. But how about this? If, if, if you want it one more time, here's David's five steps to break through. Number one is confront the need. Number two is fix your thoughts. Number three, use your imagination to see the promise. Four, your heart will be moved to worship. And number five, begin to prophesy the word over your situation. Result will be confidence. It will be breakthrough. It will be an absolute fun rejoicing session. That's good, good news, Right? Man, I'm so glad you guys came tonight. This was, I I love these gatherings, and man, I hope they just continue to grow. You know, they have grown since where they were at a few years back, Um, but man, FCC is a great crowd to be a part of. We got some awesome brothers and sisters right here beside us, and I know there's lots that couldn't be here, but man, what a great thing. I tell you, I've never felt alone since we have met, which would have been 21 years ago, 22 years ago. Everything we've been through, our family, our church, even losing my dad, I never one time thought, man, I'm so alone in this. That was because of all you guys. That's the power of a community. I'm so grateful. I'm very grateful.